The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Okay, we're going to go now to the United States. Marion McKeown, good evening to you. Um, how embarrassing is President Joe Biden's handling of confidential documents becoming and how many more revelations are emerging? Well, Matt, I think that you're right. I think this is really embarrassing for the Biden administration. But I think that there are three strands here that we should sort of separate out. It's politically embarrassing, absolutely. Uh, It's been a PR fiasco. His comms team really screwed up on this one. So that's the second one. But legally, he hasn't. It appears at this stage that legally there is no issue. Uh, And I think that the main difference between his situation and Donald Trump's situation, of course, the Republicans are crying foul left, right and centre and Biden's a hypocrite, etc., etc. And just to put things in context, these documents were stored by Joe Biden in 2017 after he stopped becoming, after he was entered his vice presidency. And uh, they were put, he opened an office in, in Washington, D.C. called the the Penn-Biden Diplomatic Centre. So some of them were there in an office that he used occasionally. The rest were in his house in a garage where he keeps his Corvette. Everyone knows his Corvette is his pride and joy. They were locked in there and in an adjacent room. Now, the fact that he had classified documents is a big problem. He shouldn't have had them. He had had no business having them. He says that he wasn't aware they were there and that as soon as he found out they were there, he ordered that they be returned to the National Archives immediately, same day, November 2nd, which is a day, of course, that raises its own questions. Uh, and then he says that he subsequently ordered that his other, his other houses, his beach house and his home, which is the only other place he had documents, also be searched in case there was anything there. And a handful of stuff turned up there as well. Now, if you contrast that with um, Donald Trump, which he, of course he's trying to do, Donald Trump refused to return documents for 14 months. He took them and he said, I'm keeping them. You're not having them back. The archives went down to Mar-a-Lago. They ended up sending a subpoena. He, pro- he partially complied with the, the subpoena. Then he lied in a letter that his lawyer signed saying all the documents had been returned. The National Archives knew they hadn't because they were such important documents. And then the FBI got the warrant to do the search and seizure. Now, in Biden's case, the National Archives weren't even aware these documents were missing. Uh, Democrats I spoke to are kind of saying, well, that shows they weren't very important, but it doesn't matter. Nobody has the right to retain classified documents. This may well have been an oversight for Biden, but the Republicans, of course, are going to make hay with it. He now yeah, has a special Marianne. counsel investigating him as well. But there's a listener who says, well, at least in Trump's case, the Secret Service was guarding those documents. Who was guarding the documents in Biden's home? Well, you know, that, that is a point, but in, in Biden, in Trump's case, the, the archives pleaded with him to put a lock on the door. The Secret Service weren't guarding the documents. The Secret Service down in Mar-a-Lago pretty well do what Trump tells them to do. You know, they're there to protect the president. They're not there to protect his property. They're not there to protect documents. So that's a completely, that's, that's downright inaccurate to say that they were there to protect the documents because the documents had no business being there in the first place. So were the Secret Service there to guard illegally taken stolen documents, essentially? That's just not the case. That can't be the case that they would be co-opted into doing something illegal like that so that, that's a nonsense basically uh, but you're right Biden's the documents were in a garage and um, you know they weren't securely protected now he says 
And there's no reason so far to believe when he says, I didn't know they were there. As soon as I found out, we returned them immediately. But as I say, he found out on the 2nd of November. Now, the election was on the 8th of November. And Republicans are saying, why didn't you tell everyone before the election? And, you know, they did keep it quiet. And the big problem is his communications team, my God, everyone knows that if there's a potential crisis, and it's obvious that this would be a crisis, that you get it out first. You don't let it be leaked. Instead, it was leaked last Monday on CBS News. And so a real black eye for his comms people, a political black eye for Biden. But I really do suspect that this um, guy that they've, they've hired, uh, the special counsel, who was a Trump appointee um, and was in the Trump Department of Justice, I don't think that he will find that there was any malice or that there was any um, willfulness or any intention to hide the documents. It seems that Biden put his hands up immediately, which, again, is a big contrast to how Trump behaved. So will Biden be charged with any criminal offences? I'd say it's very unlikely. But politically, he's going to he's paying a price for, for sure. OK, let's move on from that. Unfortunately, we've had a communications breakdown with Cal Thomas. So it seems it can't join us now. So it's just you and me to chat, Marion. So tell us the latest okay. on uh, that lying George Santos, the U.S. House of Representatives member from the Republican Party. Well, do you know, Matt, I was um, in Congress all last week and George Santos, it, it was almost like a cartoon. Uh, every time you saw a load of people running really fast, George Santos was in front of them because journalists were trying to catch him everywhere at the elevators going up to, up to the congressional chambers outside his office in the Logwood building. And he kept just avoiding people, but people were literally chasing him everywhere. He then said, well, you know, and I heard him saying this because he had lift, I'll resign if, I, if 142 people tell me to. And I'm just going, well, 142 what? 142 people in, in the local McDonald's, 142 people on the street. It turned out he meant 142,000 in his constituency. But there's a lot more stuff coming out now. We know that he is a pathological liar. We know that he lied about everything from the prime primary school he went to, to his non-existent volleyball championships, to the fact that he claimed he worked for Citibank and you know, various other companies, to the fact he claimed his mother was an executive in the Twin Towers when they were bombed, uh, to the fact he claimed he was Jewish and his grandparents were Holocaust survivors. None of those things are true. There's another million things he said as well that aren't true. But now um, Congress is on a really sticky wicket for Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy has a four-vote majority. You know, I would honestly say that Kevin McCarthy would accept Charles Manson at this stage if he just agreed to vote Republican on every single thing. He cannot afford to lose a vote, so he will not cast off George Santos, even though the six New York um, Republicans who are there, the new delegation, are calling for him to resign. Uh, James Comer is now saying if there were campaign finance irregularities, well, that's a different matter. But, you know, will it really be and how long will they take to investigate this? I suspect probably two years until the next election. But he's now being connected to Russia in, in a curious way in that he worked, George Santos in 2020 was making $55,000 a year. The next year he started making a couple of million. He was making so much, he apparently gave 700000 to his election campaign in 2022. Uh, now it seems he claimed that he'd been to Moscow several times and that he, you know, he has connections. One of the connections he has is with a Russian oligarch who has been sanctioned by America and he was working for somebody who worked with that Russian oligarch. Now, it seems that there are real issues about his campaign finance. He set up a company called Redstone, which operates out of the same building as his other company, Devolder. Um, they worked from a penthouse in, in Florida, which was 
a, a penthouse that belonged to a buddy of Donald Trump's. Apparently, the whole thing is really dodgy. There are several investigations going on. The SEC is investigating his previous company, which it said was just a Ponzi scheme. And then uh, there, there are campaign finance investigations going on into the coincidence that one of his companies claimed to have raised it, it, his um his super PAC claimed to have raised 800,000, which was the same amount of money as he said he donated to his finance, to, to his campaign. It's all, it's, it's so dodgy. But we'll see what the investigations reveal. But I suspect he'll still be in Congress right up until 2024, because as I said, Kevin McCarthy will not cast him off. He can't afford to lose a vote. One last thing I want to ask you about is tell us about the uh, extra help the US Army is giving Ukrainian forces. Yeah, you know, and, and there, this is something that's becoming contentious here. Uh, Mark Milley was in Ukraine last week, and he's in Germany at the moment. The U.S. is now going to bring 100 Ukrainian, Ukrainian troops to a, a U.S. military base in Georgia, I believe it will be, and they're going to learn how to use these Patriot missiles. Uh, now, it seems that, you know... It, there, there's a lot of... It's very contentious in the States at the moment. You have a lot of Republicans who now control Congress who are saying, just cut all aid to Ukraine. We're cutting them off. So far, America has given about $24 billion in aid, which does seem like a lot, but it's not actually that much. And there is this sort of curious thing, and it's understandable that America doesn't want to escalate things. America doesn't want to insert itself into this war. But yet, at the same time, there are critics of the policy that America has that are saying they're giving Zelensky enough to basically just you know, defend Ukraine, but not enough to win, not enough to win the war against Russia. Uh, and now it's, um, I think several hundred Ukrainian troops are also being trained in Germany at the moment. There is talk, the next um, security conference in Munich takes place on, I think it's February the 15th to the 17th or thereabouts. Now, um, that, Ukraine will be front and centre of that. A lot of Republican senators are still very much in favour of supporting Ukraine. Biden did pass the, the uh, bill which said they'd get another $45 billion this year. But, you know, some people think America isn't doing nearly enough. Republicans think it's doing way too much. And, and you know, giving it one Patriot missile is, is tokenism. It's just not enough. We saw the awful uh, attack on, on the, the apartment in, in Kiev. And Wendy Sherman, who's the deputy U.S. Secretary of State, is there at the moment. She's a very efficient woman. She's a very effective deputy secretary. I don't know if this is going to change America's calculation, but I suspect at the moment, given that the Republicans are so against any more aid, that, that you know, the status quo may continue, which doesn't really seem to be enough to turn things around for Zelensky. Marion McKeown, thank you very much for being with us and we thank will make know. sure that Cal is able to join us next week. He is, I have to say, many time zones away in the other direction. He's in Australia at present, so maybe he's still asleep. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here.